We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Welcome to a special episode of the Corner Podcast. This week we have a very, very important guest joining us, Conrad Thompson, the man who gave us our shot to get on the stage at wrestling with wrestling hits with stereotypes at Starcast two and three. Starcast four is coming up here this weekend, so that's going to be a lot of fun to talk to Conrad. Um, we're about to get him here in a couple minutes on the line. So I figured, Dre, we open it up and we talk a little bit about pro wrestling and the hot topic right now, which is everyone being stuck in Saudi Arabia after Crown Jewel. We're not going to break down all of Crown Jewel. We're doing that on the normal episode. But it's crazy just the information, the misinformation, and it's the epitome of 2019 because you don't know what's real, what's fake, what's really going on. People are upset. There's... Wrestler-only meetings, Seth Rollins may or may not have given a whack-ass speech. So much to unpack. What is your thoughts on the whole fiasco? Um, it's hard, man, because, yeah, the, the rumor mill is churning as to why, you know, they say Vince got into it with the Prince over some outstanding funds that weren't paid and pulled the plug on the broadcast. There's mechanical issues that the WWE keeps trying to put out there, which nobody actually nobody believes. Um, but it's a mess, man. I think the, the biggest thing for a lot of people is the fact that Vince, Brock, and the top guys left. And guys like Luke Harper, um, and as you can see, the Street Profits in that picture, they were left behind. <laughs> Who said? Yeah, they were kind of left behind holding the bag. And I think, you know, I, I know there's, there's tears to company stuff, right? Because I work in a corporation. You do, too. 
And there's tiers. Certain guys, like the top guys, are going to be on the big flights, private jets. And then you got your, your second level and you got your third level. But in a situation like this, I think you need to make sure everybody gets out safe. And not even and when I say safe, I'm saying just get home. I'm not saying they were in trouble. I'm just saying t- people are getting left behind for 24 hours. That's not in a foreign country. I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's in London, Africa. I don't care if it's in China. It's not cool. It's just not cool to be stuck for 24 hours in another place. And it, clearly, the WWE talent is not happy about this at all. And I, I don't know how they do another crown jewel and get everybody on board. See, I was thinking the same thing. But then you wonder, like, is it circumstantial? Like, was Vince's plane scheduled to take off beforehand just because it's a private plane? You know, like, was he in the air and then found out, like, oh, shit, they're not letting the regular plane leave? Like, I guess he should go back? I, I don't know. I don't know what he should do at that point. Um, I think the easiest rumor to clear up is probably the him and Prince having beef. Because if the telecast was delayed or didn't go on for 30 minutes, it's pretty easy to check that. You go, you see if it was broadcast locally. It wasn't. Okay, then there's some smoke to, or there's some fire to the smoke of Vince McMahon said, we're not airing this for your people. Pay up the money. But then it looks like the money was paid because they just announced what relatively was the original deal anyway, but that they'd be going back to Saudi Arabia for another eight years. And that was their response to all of this controversy. Like, oh, we signed a new deal. Yes, that's what makes the things problematic, man. I feel like between this, the Jordan Miles situation, um, I mean, they they never cop to what they do, right? The WWE never just kind of said, yeah, we fucked up. They go, well, we were working on this new deal, and that clears up everything. No, it doesn't. It makes everything more convoluted and confusing for for the fans because they're like, well, who am I supposed to believe? Because it just feels like a big cover-up for a deal, and and all the talent are collateral damage. Like the Jordan Miles situation, which we're going to talk about with Conrad. Uh, I got to ask him about it. It's like, you know, is it, shouldn't, shouldn't the WWE just say, sorry, rather than saying, well, he approved it. Like, stop doing shit like that. Just cop to what y'all do. Stop blaming other people or like, the Saudi, like we got a Saudi Arabia deal. Like, you know, town's not going to be happy. You know, fans are going to have questions. I get it. You're a big company. Look, we're going to talk about what we did at The Zone uh, it, it, later about the UFC card. There's some sh- people that are unhappy about that shit. But you have to cop to it and say, you know what, we fucked up. That's that's really plain and simple. Certain c- circumstances, you just gotta say, we fucked up. I think a lot of people, that go a long way with, as far as talent. To be real, they don't owe the fans any explanation. Right. Um, that's just not the way corporations work. That's, that's not it. Like, either you're gonna be a consumer or you're not. Are you gonna take your money and leave? Like, that's how you show, I, I guess, your uneasiness with their decision. You say, I'm canceling the network. I'm not going to watch. You're going to drop in ratings. No one's doing that necessarily. People are just mad with no action behind it. They're not going to listen to the the fans in this case. But the talent becomes a different thing because you're signing people to five-year deals. You want them to be around. You're trying to keep them away from competitors. And every one of these mistakes add up. Right. And sooner or later, guys are going to pass on the extra money. They're going to try their hand elsewhere. They're going to see if the grass is greener. It may or may not be. But they're going to start calling your bluff. So I feel as though it's like a relationship, right? You can't have that lack of communication. 
And that's the biggest problem. They're not asking you for the world. It's like when a woman dates a broke guy. It's like, yo, just don't lie to me. Don't cheat on me. I'm not asking you to have all the money in the world. At this point, that's the WWE talent. They're like, yo, we're not even expecting the world from you. You're probably going to book us shitty anyway. We're not asking you to be, you know, the greatest thing in the world. Just don't lie and don't cheat. And it seems like the WWE can't stop doing either. Exactly. And that's where they messed up. Yeah, it's it's such a crazy dynamic that they have going on. And that, honestly, they have to figure out. Internally, the next one probably wouldn't be until after Mania. I think usually it's like May. Right. May and November every year. Maybe stuff changes. Maybe they just, like, like Carl Anderson said, he's like, I'm never going back unless the money's right because I need a second pool. Yeah, that's really it. It's like, you know what? I say I wouldn't do a lot of stuff work-wise either. You pay me enough, I'll probably go and cover something stupid. Like I, I personally don't want to go to Saudi Arabia and sit on a 19-hour flight. But you pay me enough, I'll go cover every boxing match you got. Yeah. So that's that's just the, the nature of the beast sometimes. And uh, you'll be actually making a trip out there shortly. You feel uh, certain ways about this? Don't get stuck. We got to do the podcast. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I do. Um, but they, again, it's one of those situations, you know, it's, it's, it's a job. It's my job. It's my job to go out there and do this stuff. Um, and I think we're in a different party of Saudi Arabia. Not that it makes that much of a difference, but <laughs> alas, here we are. And, you know, I'm going to a foreign country to cover a big fight. Um, and sometimes it's our duty, you know, as journalists to go places where other people won't go. So, um, obviously I won't be saying shit while I'm out there, but you'll be hearing all about it when I get back. Yeah. So, yeah. Keep, keep the, the criticisms on the low on Twitter. Yeah. We don't, we yeah. don't need nothing crazy. Like, yo. What happened? It, it'll permanently be one half of the Corner Podcast. That's how I have to open up every show. What's up, everybody? It's Kel Dansby. Crickets, crickets, crickets. And this week, like, there'll be no old man on Dress Hell. I got to change the whole intro to the show. It's all bad. I got to say peace at the end myself. So, yeah, don't get kidnapped over there. Um, no, but really, though, it, it seems as other things have gone off without a hitch, right? UFC was just over there. Mm-hmm. So to my knowledge and public knowledge, that went off without a hitch. The other Saudi Arabia shows went off without a hitch. Um, I haven't talked to too many journalists that have been over there to cover those things. I know uh, ESPN, like the social team went over there, uh, the MMA social team that I work closely with, and they seem to have gotten back and had a fair enough time. So it, it's just weird that maybe this one thing is an isolated incident. But everything is blown up now, right? Like, that's just the, the, the nature of the beast. That's the Twitter world. There's no small problems anymore. Everything's a huge problem. Always, always. Everything gets blown up. So not to say to underplay anything that's happening in any foreign country. Like I said at the beginning, you don't want to be stuck anywhere for any reason where, you're not, where you don't know people. And that yep. was the Saudi Arabia situation. So hopefully whatever is going on there is resolved and... The talent's taken care of, and I think that's really what matters. It really is. Uh, looks like we got Conrad on the line. We're trying to connect this. So, like I said earlier, very important guest on this show this week. And some may know him as a mortgage guy, but so much more. The amazing Conrad Thompson is joining us. 
And first and foremost, we have to say thank you so much because you gave us the opportunity for wrestling with stereotypes and to put it on your platform, which is huge, StarCast. Um, man, it, it meant so much to us and so much to the people who came out and everything. And a lot of that has to do with you. Well, that's nice of you to say, man. You know, I, I don't deserve any of the credit, though. This was all you guys. And I've been working pretty closely with Andreas putting together a cool idea. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the result was, you know, the most well-received panel at StarCast that we've probably ever done. You know, it was just across the board, high marks. And it was content that, you know, really wasn't all that revolutionary. It was just long overdue. And folks were really ready for it. And I was hopeful that we'd get to do one again in Baltimore, but I look forward to the next time we can do it wrestling with stereotypes because, you know, I just feel like that was part one of the conversation and, you know, there's so many more layers. So we'll try to do our best to pay homage a little bit this weekend in Baltimore. We've got Ron Simmons and we're going to talk about his historic win. And of course it happened in Baltimore and we'll have the actual belt. He won that night. And Scott Hudson is a historian from the newsletter days long before he was in WCW. So He's going to navigate a conversation that I feel like is uh, an important one. And, and given sort of the climate of wrestling right now, it's uh, it's necessary. So, Conrad, I do have to ask you this, because right when you said the next one, you've been talking about quitting, <laughs> stopping the two StarCast for quite a while. So are you already promising us another StarCast? Well, I'm just saying, uh, first of all, this is definitely the last StarCast of the year. I can't possibly <laughs> fit one in in December, so we're good to go there. No, I don't have anything circled for next year. You know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to go back to Chicago. I feel like we've got the perfect hotel partner there. Maybe I'm just a little um, nostalgic about the first StarCast, too. I, I just had such a great time in Chicago. I would like to continue uh, the Chicago version of StarCast forever, uh, or at least until, you know, people quit supporting the thing. But I've had a, a lot of fun there, and it just feels like a perfect town and a perfect hotel partner. So, yeah, I would like to do another one in Chicago, but, you know, first got to make sure that AEW is going to come back. I think they flirted with the idea of making it like a Labor Day tradition, and if that holds true, then it wouldn't surprise me if you see a StarCast there. But I don't have anything booked at all right now as I'm talking to you for 2020, but I just know that, you know, the last time you and I talked, I didn't have anything booked then, and, and, and something fell in my lap. So when it does, you guys will be one of the first folks that I'll reach out to to say, hey, man, let's put something together. We'll definitely be there, man. It's such a blast. Like you mentioned, Chicago was amazing. Uh, just the venue, everyone was there. It seemed like a little wrestling town because you walked past everyone and you knew why they were there. And you knew that they were there for, for StarCast, for AEW, and it made for such a great time. Now we're coming up on this Baltimore show that you touched on, and it's kind of different, right? Like you have Ron Simmons. You have all these historical things that happened in Baltimore, can you talk about how like that helped you put together everyone who's speaking at StarCast? Because you're playing a lot off of the history of the city and wrestling in that town. Well, you know, StarCast 1 was sort of like Woodstock. I invited anybody and everybody, and we really, <laughs> if I'm honest with you, we had too many people. You couldn't move around. It was not, it was not well thought out in terms of the logistics. So I came back and tried to go bigger and better than ever, and I think we probably had the biggest wrestling convention of all time at StarCast 2. And then, you know, after after we tried to put together the roast of Ric Flair and that didn't happen and we booked the first appearance of The Undertaker and, of course, WWE pulled him, I was sort of scratching my head for Chicago. Like, what else can I do uh, that, it, that I, I know I can deliver and that nobody can pull but will really get a lot of attention and a lot of headlines? And the answer was CM Punk. 
So when I was, you know, approached about doing StarCast 4 in Baltimore, it's like, well, what else is there left to do? Like, there's nothing. <laughs> I can't pull any more rabbits out of the hat. But I started to think, you know, Baltimore was really like a Jim Crockett, NWA, WCW town. Maybe I could go with a WCW theme. And literally the first thing I thought of is we've got to get Sting in the red, white, and blue. Uh, that's my most <laughs> favorite Baltimore show. He beat Ric Flair for the title at Great American Bash 90, and he wore that that famous red, white, and blue jacket, which is probably one of the hottest selling action figures of all time. So I thought, okay, let me work on that. And Sting was so hard to pin down because he had never done that. He's never done an appearance in the red, white, and blue. And he's just been doing the crow for, what, 25 years. So it took a lot of selling to get him to do it. And I wasn't sure he was going to. So I started to think, well, what else can I get? And I thought, let's go silly. Let's go Shockmaster and do a photo op where it looks like you're busting through the wall. Let's let's get the ding-dongs. Let's run down a RoboCop. Let's find Van Hammer. And so I did all the fun stuff. And then I thought, I need something special we've never had. And I got the great mood at a flyover from Japan, and he's going to be wearing his old school paint. Uh, it's going to be a really, really special photo op. Uh, but then I needed what I thought was another sort of white whale, and I got Jim Crockett. And I know a lot of younger fans don't think that's a big deal, but, I mean, once upon a time, it was Vince McMahon and Jim Crockett. It was a two-horse race. And this guy, when he you know, sold to Turner, really left wrestling in his rearview mirror, and he's made no personal appearances at all since maybe 93. So we're talking about 25 years in the making. He's never spoken about wrestling like this and never had an opportunity to meet fans. And what we've got is we've got Jim and David with the uh, old TBS backdrop, the big gold belt. What a cool photo op. It's never happened before. And really, frankly, it's never going to happen again. And if you grew up on the good stuff, the old stuff, Starcast <laughs> 4, Baltimore, that's for you. Uh, I got to ask you, because you mentioned the Great Muda, and that, growing up, the Great Muda was like the indestructible force in WCW. I still remember Starcade, Future Shock, and, and rooting against him. And then as I got older, I, I loved him. Please tell me how this came together, because I, I never expected Muda to be a Starcast. Well, I, I knew I needed something old school. I knew I needed something from that era. And, you know, when we brought Kenta Kobashi over for Starcast 2, it was so well received by the hardcores. I thought, you know, a name like that, while it would resonate with the hardcores, it doesn't really fit a, a WCW or NWA theme, but Muda does. And so uh, I, I made some inroads through Sonny Ono, and Sonny Ono was able to help me put together the deal. And for the first time ever, the great Muda is not only doing meet and greets, he's going to have a panel, and Sonny Ono is going to translate. I don't think that's ever happened before where English-speaking fans could ask you know, the great Muda a question and, and get an answer. I don't think he's ever done a panel like this. I don't think this Q&A and meet and greet style model really even exists in Japan. So this is a really, really rare opportunity to not only meet the great Muda, which you can do at conventions. He's been appearing at conventions for a while, but you've never had an opportunity to ask him a question and have a conversation. And with the help of Sonny Ono, we're going to be able to make that happen. And speaking of that, so you, you talked about putting together this Baltimore show and you kind of like, what do you do next? If you have another one, what do you do next? Do you have like this wish list of, you know what, we haven't gotten this person and I really want to have this person on StarCast? Like if you had to have three people, like, you know what, these people I want on a future StarCast, who would it be? Well, that's the thing. I don't know that there are any. You know, realistically, when you look at who we've had at StarCast who's not under contract to WWE, I think we sort of got them all, you know, with the exception of perhaps you know, bringing over some more international stars. There's certainly opportunity there to bring in some, maybe some new Japan talent and I have a good relationship with new Japan. So maybe that's an opportunity, 
But if you've seen some of the headlines lately, it doesn't look like AEW and New Japan are going to be working together anytime soon. So if I'm still <laughs> piggybacking AEW events, that's going to present the same challenge that it does uh, when I try to book WWE talent. So as long as I'm you know, sort of hanging my hat on AEW, which is most definitely the plan with StarCast, I'm going to have to sort of navigate the, the, the politics of WWE and New Japan, and that's going to be very challenging. So then you start to say, well, who else is there? And, you know, I don't know what, what else is out there. I mean, maybe Jesse Ventura, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know that that resonates the same way that, say, a Jim Crockett does. But there's yeah. just so few guys who aren't on, uh, who don't have an affiliation with New Japan or, or don't have an affiliation with, with uh, WWE. It's, it's going to be slim picking. So maybe if we do StarCast 5, the headline attraction is Wrestling with Stereotypes 2. Man. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, so I got to ask you because um, you talked about navigating the WWE tournament, but you have Ron Simmons, and a lot of people assume that Ron was on like a Legends deal with the WWE. How did this come together with Ron? Well, you know, this is my third time having Ron. Ron was at the first Starcast. He was at the second one. We didn't book him for the third one, but we're back uh, for the fourth one here in Baltimore. So he would have hit all the cities, you know, Chicago, Vegas, and Baltimore now. But when I started to look at just the history of Baltimore. You know, my number one wish was Sting. My number two was Ron Simmons. And I'm not saying that Ron Simmons is going to sell as many meet and greets as Sting. I think a lot of fans are interested in getting that rare photo off of Sting and the red, white, and blue paint. And Ron's sort of been around doing conventions for a while. But his win in Baltimore was so important and so historic that I just felt like we had to do what we could to sort of, you know, bring that to the forefront, remind everybody about the history of African-Americans and championships and how it really all started with Ron Simmons. And it happened in Baltimore. And once I knew we could secure the belt he won that night, it just felt like a no-brainer. So uh, I reached out to Ron and, and had some local promoters in the area who have a great relationship with Ron through Maryland Championship Wrestling um, help me sort of sell him and, and, and come along with this idea. But to be clear, you know, WWE has not uh, pulled the talent I mean, Jerry Lawler was was sitting in the same room with you guys in the green room in Chicago, and he's on Raw every week. So we've not had a, um, a falling out. I don't have a, a, a tough or difficult relationship with WWE. I mean, literally, my, my best friend and my sister-in-law work there. So I'm not cross with anybody there. I just think with the association of AEW, they want to sort of safeguard certain talent just to keep the rumor mill at bay. And those two uh, are Undertaker and Kurt Angle. I know that from experience, but I don't know who else is on that list. And, you know, maybe the Kurt Angle thing was a tactical error on my part. Cody Rhodes tweeted out the Kurt Angle announcement, and I made that decision based on Cody has a million social media followers. I have 50,000. This is a much bigger megaphone. Let's get the word out. We've got an Olympic hero coming. Maybe that wasn't viewed so well in WWE. No one told me that. I'm just trying to put together the puzzle pieces after the fact. But we haven't had any sort of cease and desist or issues like that whatsoever since the Kurt Angle Undertaker situation back in May. So I have to ask you a question a lot of our listeners ask us all the time. And everyone's chomping at the bit for... I guess what is now WrestleMania week, but it's so much more than that. You have all these indie shows, you have all these promotions. Uh, Joey Janela just announced spring break again down there. And they're wondering, is there a day that we'll see a star cast at WrestleMania weekend? No, there's not. Um, that's, 
that's not because no one's asked me not to, but it is just out of uh, mutual respect for Michael Bacchicchio and what he's done at WrestleCon. WrestleCon and WrestleMania belong to Michael Bacchicchio, and uh, I, I consider him a friend, and we've done great business together. And I mean, we don't talk every day, but there's definitely an understood gentleman's agreement that he's not going to try to run conventions heads up with me, and, and I'm not going to do that to him. Okay, so I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit because I need to ask you this because I, I get this question asked a lot. How the hell do you do all these podcasts and still end up doing StarCast as well? When do you sleep, Conrad? One to six. Go to sleep around one, wake up around six, <laughs> and I'm, those other 19 hours a day, I'm getting it. I mean, dude, because the Arn Anderson podcast is spectacular. I mean, you're still doing the thing with Bruce. Um, how are you continue? I mean, listen, pro wrestling is a gold mine of content. It, it seems like it's a never-ending thing, but how do you still come up with the ideas of what to talk about each week with each individual per- person? I sit down about once a month and I'll map out or once every six weeks and I'll map out the next six or eight weeks worth of shows and I'll, it'll take half a day, but I'll just look at the calendars and look at what we've been doing and sort of see what's coming up, what anniversaries exist, what birthdays, uh, unfortunately, maybe the anniversaries of a death may come up and then I'll sort of just sort of, you know, mark those dates down and then figure out what shows are dropping around then who maybe has the best stories and then I'll put together like a draft schedule and I'll, email the host and my, my producer, my right-hand man, Dave Silva, and say, hey, what do you guys think of these? And sometimes they'll say, well, I don't really have anything on that guy. Uh, have we done so-and-so yet? And so then I'll say, well, I'm really saving that one for an anniversary on this show. So what about if we switched it with this one or that one? And so once the co-host really commits that that's what we're doing and we know what the next six or eight weeks look like, I've got a research assistant named Chris who will start doing a data dump. And Derek, uh, another guy who's been helping me lately, we'll have a Google Doc that we share, and it becomes a, a data dump of all the information we can find about that. And it may start at 110 pages, and it'll whittle down to usually somewhere between 12 and, and 50 pages. And there'll be lots of quotes in there, but it will also sort of take a shape of the show. What story are we trying to tell? Uh, and then we essentially follow that format when we're taping the show. So I know a lot of times it seems like it's just freestyling, and I'm just randomly researching on the fly. But the real work and preparation for these podcasts is, is the real work and the difference maker. Uh, once we actually click record, there's no work in that at all. That's just fun and having fun with your buddy. Uh, and I consider myself the first listener at that point because I'm sort of shaping that, what is essentially an interview. And then sometimes, you know, there will be a sidebar where something comes up and what he's talking about that I am fascinated with or think if I was listening to this at home, I would want to hear more about that. And we'll just sort of go down the rabbit hole. Uh, but that allows me, you know, that sort of preparation in advance allows me to get ahead on the notes so I can tape. And this is pretty, pretty routine now. We're taping Arn Anderson and Jim Ross on Monday nights. Uh, we're taping Tony Schiavone uh, on Saturdays or Sundays. We're taping Eric Bischoff on Saturday or Sunday. And either Wednesday night or Thursday morning, we tape Bruce Pritchard. So I've got a little bit of a schedule and I'm able to work all those shows out where none of them interfere with my real regular job, my mortgage gig, which is where I'm talking to you from right now. Uh, and I got to follow up with this. Is there anything better than a red ass JR? Because that Taboo Tuesday episode still has me <laughs> laughing because, oh my God, he was on fire. Well, that's how he is in real life. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to travel with JR and be with JR before big shows and after big shows. And, you know, JR, when he's amped up and when he's on edge, 
Uh, he can be very passionate, very opinionated, very vocal. And whether he means to or not, he speaks in hilarious sound bites. So everyone who is uh, in his company when he's in that mood uh, benefits. And yeah, the listener got to hear it for the first time. And uh, I think I think fans dug it. It's probably the most entertaining podcast Jim Ross has ever been a part of. <laughs> and you mentioned, you know, six weeks of preparation, go into all of this. But we just saw a show where Eric Bischoff returned to the podcast. And, you know, that got a ton of hype right after he left WWE. You obviously had to kind of do stuff on the fly when that all happened. Can you, like, talk about that process a little bit and having Eric, you know, come back and just kind of saying, you know what, we're going to continue the show kind of as is? Or was there pressure to kind of ask about, like, hey, what went wrong with that WWE deal? We never stopped doing the podcast, even when he was up there. You know, we had to change our we had to change our taping schedule a little bit, yeah. but we never we never stopped. So, yeah, there was pressure that we need to make some sort of announcement and that we need to address what we call the elephant in the room. But we just made a, a decision that we would address it at the end. We would, you know, tease it up front and then just, you know, address it at the end and let him say whatever he wanted to say. And at that point, I know he was still probably trying to figure it all out in his head and you know usually in a situation like that you're also finalizing a separation agreement so you don't know what you can or can't say just yet uh and i I didn't ask about that but you know sometimes that's the case sometimes it's not so Hmm. i didn't have an expectation that it would be a big expose uh because it was so fresh and raw but i do think in time he'll loosen up a little bit and, and we'll start to hear you know some stories that maybe we didn't expect that we would uh, back to the Starcast because obviously this is right around the corner, Full Gear Weekend. Um, I know a lot of people are looking forward to different shows. You personally, what show are you l- looking forward to the most? Oh, without question, it's the Crockett Show. You know that we've never heard from him. You know we've heard everybody talk about Jim Crockett Promotions, whether it's Ric Flair or it's you know Dusty Rhodes or you know for that matter the historians, the Dick Bournes and the Dave Meltzers and the Bruce Mitchells. We've all heard their take on the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Crockett's, but we've never heard it from Jim himself. And ultimately he was the guy who signed off on that stuff. So to hear from him for the very first time, I think is going to be pretty special. I'm also looking forward to John Moxley. I feel like, you know, Moxley sort of uh, just poured his heart out on a couple of podcasts, one with, with Wade Keller and one with uh, Chris Jericho right after he left WWE. But now that, you know, he's got a new leash on life and, you know, he's let the dust settle a little bit. It'll be interesting to hear what his perspective is now. Uh, so I think the Moxley panel could be really good. And, you know, the, the curiosity factor of the Muda panel interests me because I don't even know what great Muda's voice sounds like. I know it sounds silly, but <laughs> I mean, I don't. So, you know, there, there's so much that we don't know about Muda and it's not like a mysterious gimmick. We just don't know. So it'll be, it'll be fascinating to learn some new stuff about him for sure. It's amazing to hear because when you talk about these shows and, you know, you reflect on the past ones and you talk about the future shows, you're just such a fan of it. How does that, like, when when the dust settles and StarCast starts, do you just get to be a fan? Are you running around with, like, your head cut off? Or do you get to sit down and kind of enjoy these panels? Well, I've never been able to do that until StarCast 3. And StarCast 3 was the most relaxed that we've ever been by far. Um, that was very, very enjoyable experience for me, StarCast 3. This one I'll get to see some of as well, I would imagine, just because, 
the venue layout is different from what we've had in other times. Other times we've used a hotel and, you know, you're essentially using big banquet rooms with air walls that you separate. And this is a real, real life concert venue that's multiple levels. And this is just going to be laid out. It's going to be, you know, to draw an analogy to another wrestling building, it's going to be like the old ECW elk slides, the madhouse of extreme, just layer of layer of layer of chaos. And I'm looking forward to that. And, and I think it will create an environment where no matter where I am, I'll be able to uh, see or hear some of the panel. Awesome. Uh, well, before we let you go, uh, there's one thing. I mean, obviously, we would have loved to do wrestling with stereotypes because this Jordan Miles situation got so out of control that people asked for us to come back. So hopefully we get to do this again. Um, I hate that we missed the opportunity because that, that's something. I don't know if you have any comments on what's going on with the WWE right now, this Jordan Miles situation. Um, do you? Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, listen, I'll be honest. It was sort of not on my radar about the shirt until he made the post. And then when it really blew up, then it was like, oh, man. You know, and clearly it's a case of somebody somewhere should have known better. And, you know, I would like to think that that there was no intentional ill intent. But I also think that somebody's got to be a little bit more responsible than than to let something like that, you know, get out there and. I understand, you know, here's the thing. I, I have been sent a lot of graphics before from a podcast or, you know, the different live shows that we do or StarCast where I'm like, hey, I don't think we can do this. And it's not not necessarily in a, in a racial and sensitive way, but just in a way where it's like, have you considered this? And sometimes the graphic designers just get so far in the weeds that if they're given instructions of what his gimmick is, he smiles, then they just throw something together without you know and, and again i'm saying this to not excuse wwe at all but i know that for certain that there's some wrestling companies who get like their graphics made in foreign countries where they don't understand the history of of what what that looks similar to and uh but somebody somewhere has to approve it like wh where does the buck stop <laughs> you know on, like on some level I, I okay you had a guy in in the middle east who's not familiar with this do your graphic or whatever okay all right but somebody here in america had to approve it are you asleep at the wheel come on you got to put a stopgap and say hey um nice effort uh but have you considered this and if they have no idea what you're talking about or they do whatever it's your job to fix it and if they knew what they were doing they need to fire their ass and if they didn't know what they're doing, you need to educate them. And then you come up with another idea. But that should have never seen the light of day. And the idea that there's any sort of debate of, you know, well, we didn't know. Man, well, I, I don't know what's wrong with just owning it and saying, oof, uh, this was, we fucked this up and here's how and here's why. And just being honest. But when it becomes this shell game of, oh, people are reading into it. Man, you, you can't speak on how you offended somebody else. Just, you know. Learn from it, take the L, and do better. And if you're committed to doing better, wrestling fans, well, Americans, we're forgiving. We'll give you an opportunity. We love a comeback. You know, make it right. Find a way to do better, and, and everybody will be happy. But if it's we're going to dig our heels in on being wrong, that's just that's a bad hill to die on to me. I, I don't know why you would ever want to create a product, or especially in sales, because on, on, at, at the end of the day, the bottom line is what we're talking about. They're trying to create shirts that people want to buy. Well, first of all, the shirt sucks. Who wants to buy that? I mean, it should have never been approved just because of that, because it sucks. But then secondly, it's like, whoa, do you see what you maybe unintentionally did here? And then it should have just been burned, you know, burn it down. It should never see the light of day. But but the idea is we're trying to 
create something people want to buy. Why would you ever want to create anything that somebody is supposed to sort of vote with their dollar that may alienate somebody? Like the first rule of sales is, you know, you don't tell, you don't discuss politics, you don't discuss religion. Like when I became a salesperson, not involving wrestling at all, it was like the first two things. Well, goddamn, shouldn't this have been number three? This is like a no-brainer to me, and just should have never seen the light of day. And they just need to do better. And hopefully, now that there's been a light shined on this, they will. And maybe that makes me a bad person for being optimistic, but I want to see the good, and I want to hope that there's a, an opportunity for them to do better. Yeah, and I wanted to get your perspective on that because, you know, one of the things that me and Kel talk about on this podcast is that it's very important to have a minority in the room that can spot these things out. And that's kind of why we do wrestling with stereotypes, to hit those blind spots and say, hey, you know what, this isn't a good idea. But if you don't have anybody there who's going to call it to the table. So between that and also the, the what happened in Saudi Arabia, uh, I mean, what, do you was, was Bruce over there? Did he have to deal with that nonsense? No, see, here's the thing. I, I've been asked this a lot, and I don't think we've ever I've said anything on the record. No, Bruce was not there because he's running SmackDown. He had to be in Buffalo. So Bruce and I actually taped the podcast uh, the day a day ahead of that when he was already in Buffalo. You know, so like Thursday night, he's in Buffalo. So we taped the show when he was already there. So, no, he was not over there at all. I don't know the full story. You know, I do, I do wonder, you know, if there's not a little bit of, and I know I'm getting way in the weeds here, but I do wonder, was there a hint of racism in everyone's reaction? Like, I don't know what happened, but here's what I wonder. If the plane was stranded an extra 24 hours in London or Germany or Paris, would we have had the same reaction? Would we have been so quick to jump to use the word hostage? Mm-hmm. I just wonder, you know, I know that's not always popular to say, but, you know, on the heels of 9-11, discrimination against, you know, Middle, Middle Eastern folks was real. You know, if you see a dude in a turban get on a plane in 2002, people got nervous. No matter that's popular or polite or respectful, that's the reality. And I wonder if some of that still exists, because I don't think, of any of the times that travel has been delayed in other countries that anybody was quick to use the word hostage. And I know that there, that there's been bad shit going on over there and I'm not arguing any of that at all, but none of it happened to a I don't think there's been any sort of action of violence rather against the WWE talent. So I don't know. I just, I wonder, is there more to the story or did people just overreact and because of where it was happening, assume the worst which is really a stereotype in and of itself that's maybe not fair. Mm, Got you. Now, I say all that to say this, and then we're going to let you go, because I think some of the greatest things in pro wrestling history happened by accident. I think, you know, with Austin getting the opportunity to do the 316 promo because Triple H was in the doghouse. Recently, Becky Lynch breaking her nose made her like an icon. And now we ended up getting this WWE NXT invasion angle that happened on SmackDown because of what happened in Saudi Arabia. In your experience and talking to everybody that you've talked to on these podcasts, does that seem to be what happens that when you don't plan things, that's when the greatest shit happens? Well, it's sort of like, you know, the whole, and we've talked about these sort of accidental consequences before, like, you know, what if um, they don't screw Bret Hart? If they don't screw Bret Hart and Sean doesn't hurt his back, do we get the rise of Stone Cold the way we did? If the Macho Man, if the whole Butch Reed, Macho Man, Intercontinental title thing didn't happen, would the mega powers have exploded? Would eventually there not been an opportunity to, I mean, what if Sting comes over to the WWF after the Watts buyout with Crockett? Would the Ultimate Warrior 
have gotten that opportunity to main event against Hulk Hogan, or would they have went with Sting? And, you know, look, look at SummerSlam 88. The Brother Love segment was supposed to be him interviewing Ric Flair. They were teasing this big debut of this big superstar, and you had to see it to believe it. It was supposed to be Ric Flair. Well, if Flair comes in at SummerSlam 88, is WrestleMania 5 still Hogan Savage, or is it Hogan Flair? And if it is, what does that do for Savage? I mean, there's so many what-if scenarios that for all the you know perceived bad stuff that happened, and certainly a, ter- a horrific travel delay happened because nobody wants to be stuck anywhere. You know, I don't want to be stuck in Ohio an extra 24 hours, much less Saudi Arabia. I want to go home. I think that's normal. No, not disparaging Ohio, just saying. Uh, the, the result was we got the best SmackDown we've had in a long time. So I do think sometimes it, it shows that when your back is against the wall and you don't have an opportunity to overthink it and you don't have all your chess pieces to play with and you're down a few, you have to really, really dig deep in your strategy and it brings out the best of you. But there's a lot of people who do best under pressure. You know, a Tom Brady type comes to mind where you know, we all know if you give Brady the ball and there's two minutes left and he's got one time out, you're done. You're going to lose. I mean, it's just a matter of this time, you know, is he going to go for two? Because he's going to score. So it, I, I feel like that's what SmackDown was, and I hope they can replicate it. But I don't. I can't say that I have particularly high hopes this Friday. No, nah, man, I feel like you speak for all of us and where – we're all the same way, just kind of looking to this Friday and and hoping they carry on the momentum going forward and that, uh, you know, this, you know, turn of luck, I would say, on the last Friday show uh, carries on and shows them something to continue into the future. Uh, we know you're busy. It's going to be a busy week down there in Baltimore. We appreciate you joining us for this time. And really, we can't wait to see you. And we're definitely going to be part of another StarCast here in the future um man we we love being there you host the best the best week in pro wrestling and we mean that from the bottom of our hearts so uh thank you so much Conrad. man thanks for having me on i appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and talk with you guys and i'm sure i found a way to piss off thousands of people today so i look forward <laughs> to the hate tweets hey hey it's conrad but thanks for listening hope everybody checks out starcast and by the way if you can't make it to baltimore you can watch all these panels we talked about and when you pre-order Starcast on Fight at StarCastOnFight.com. We'll not only get you Starcast 4, but we'll get you 1, 2, and 3. So you'll see the Great Wrestling with Stereotypes panel, a panel with Sting, a panel with Bret Hart. There's so much good stuff in the archives of Starcast. Why wouldn't you just pre-order Starcast 4 and enjoy it all? You'll own it forever. StarCastOnFight.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.